And David's like, no, that's not God's way. I am not going to usurp anyone's authority. If God wants to take Saul out, he's going to do it in his way, in his time. And David waited patiently. He was not usurping. He wasn't chomping at the bit. He was just waiting patiently in faith, knowing that God had spoken to him and he had the faith. God even gave him the faith to believe that if you said it, God, then it's going to come to pass. I don't know how or when or how it's going to happen. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, as Pastor Rob concludes this part of Chapter 2 of 2 Samuel, We learned that even though David knew that Saul was dead, he waited on the Lord's direction to take the throne of Israel as their king. God was faithful to answer when David inquired. Since David just came out of a period of spiritual decline, God could have put him on probation and refused to speak to him for a while. Instead, the Lord spoke to David and gave him guidance. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. It's important that we always wait on the Lord. Now let's join Pastor Rob. He was also not only speaking of his immediate son, Solomon, but who would be born through David, through the line of Judah? It would be Jesus, right? And his, his kingdom would last forever. Solomon would die after 70 years, but not Jesus. His kingdom will live on forever and ever and ever. An amazing thing. But patience and faith in the promises of God. David was patient, but not without problems along the way, which is true of us all, isn't it? You recall in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, it says that Abraham... Uh, the Lord spoke to him and says, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so what did Abraham do? He said, No, thanks. No, that's not what he said. What did he say? Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was seven, or Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. And so they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree, And the Canaanites were then in the land. And notice what happened. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The Lord had appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And so here again, there is faith and there is um, patience 
in the promise of God. Because God is making him a promise. Making Abraham a promise. To your seed, you are going, they are going to inherit this land. In fact, it wasn't even Abraham. It wasn't even Isaac. It wasn't even Jacob who had possession of that promise. It wasn't until the 12 tribes and as they went through the promised land and came into the promised land, the promise was for them and their grandkids, their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't see it with their eyes. They had to believe by faith, and they believed. They believed. A promise was given to them, and they waited patiently for it, knowing that it wasn't even going to happen in their lifetime. But they acted as if it was going to because they knew that God could not lie. And is God going to lie to you? Can God lie? He cannot lie. We lie because we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the information. Therefore, we make up lies to cover up things. See, God, who's all-knowing, he's omniscient. He knows everything. There's no need for him to lie. There's no shadows with him. He sees everything like it's plain. He knows exactly What's going on in my heart and in your heart? He knows our very words that we're going to speak tomorrow. He could speak to us right now if he so chose and say, at 12.03 tomorrow afternoon, this is what you're exactly what you're going to say. And I know what you're getting for lunch, by the way. And you should probably have one last cheeseburger. Right? He could tell us if he wanted to. But he gives us free will. But what does it tell us in Hebrews? I love this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And the same thing with David, right? He had this anointing on him. He waited 15, 10, 15 years. And now he's got Judah. And we haven't gotten to chapter 5 or chapter 7 of this book yet, but at that time he's just got Judah. And he's, God had said that he's going to be king over Israel. So he's patient. He's waiting. He's acting as if God had already done it, even though he doesn't see it right in front of him. That's what faith is. He has the confidence, the assurance that God is going to do it, even though it's not materializing before him. And it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. But then it goes down in verse 6, and it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then down in verse 8, it says something wonderful about Abraham, about the one we just read about in chapter 12 of Genesis. He says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, notice, not knowing where he was going. Try that someday. I mean, think about that. You wake up one morning, and, the God, and God says, I want, you to, um, I want you to go. Well, where do you want me to go? Do you want me to go to Syracuse? Do you want me to go to Buffalo? No, just get going, and I'll tell you as you go. Are you kidding me? Where am I going? How far am I going to go? Don't worry about it. Just do it. That takes faith. <laughs> Would you be willing to do that? God just says, Go. I'm able to get you wherever you need. Don't, don't even worry about it. Just, just pack up the kids and start going. And you trust me. Man, I tell you, that's, that's, that's heavy stuff. So when he went out not knowing where he was going, and by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, the land of promise, 
as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now these, all three of these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have all been, God has reiterated the promise to them, and yet they weren't going to obtain it in their lifetime. But they were going to be an integral part of it. For he, and then it says here, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Here it is. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He waited for a city whose builder and maker is God. What about us? What about us? Are we, fulfill, are we waiting patiently for the fulfillment of God's promises? And let me just go to one that fits right in and dovetails right in with this. The maker, and the, who they look, they look for, they're looking for a new city whose maker and, and foundation is of God, is God. Turn with me to John chapter 14. And this is how we now can put feet on this idea of having faith and patience in the promises of God, just as David did, just as Abraham did. What did Jesus tell us there that evening before he was, you know, during the Last Supper, that evening before he would be crucified or or captured and crucified. What did Jesus tell his disciples that very evening? He said to them, let not your heart be troubled. Because they were concerned. Because Jesus kept talking about this idea of him being um, crucified. And then on the third day he would rise. They were completely out to lunch with that meant. And and for good reason. It's never happened before. If somebody told you something like that and you've never seen or heard of it before, you're going, what? What? Uh Uh-uh. I don't understand what you're talking about. And they're just like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also, believe also in me. Notice what he says. Here's the promise, saints. Listen to this. In my Father's house are many mansions. Is that a promise? It is. It's a statement of fact. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And now notice the promise. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, you remember, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then uh, later on in that chapter, it says, Jesus said this in verse 15. He says, if you love me, guys... Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus is not only saying he's got a place prepared for us, that's a promise that we're waiting for patiently. As David was waiting patiently, the promise had been given. Now he's just waiting, waiting, patiently, waiting in faith in the promise of God. And it gets even better than that because it's not only a place that we're going to be in for eternity, but get, get this, 
He tells him in what we just read that he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. Not only the Spirit, he says he shall be with you, or he is with you, but he shall be in you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is something that is, that is brand new to the New Testament church. The Old Testament saints didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon them at times, but now we have this wonderful relationship with God by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there's, we could go, spend a lot of time on that, but it gets even better than that. On the day of Pentecost, what happened? After Jesus ascended, after he ascended into heaven, the day of Pentecost came. What happened? The, the Spirit of God was poured out upon the church. The Spirit was in the, in the people who believed in him, and now the Spirit came upon them, giving them boldness, giving them the assurance. And see, we need that. We need that boldness. We need to pray for that before we go out uh, you know, a week or you know, next week, you know, next Sunday evening. We need that. We need to be bold, lovingly bold, though. There's a difference. There's people out there waving Bibles and calling people names, and you're going to go to hell, you rotten sinner. And they're throwing their, they've got these placards, and they're like, you know, God hates blah, 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 whatever it is. You know, and it's like, really? No, we have to be lovingly bold. Lovingly bold. There's a big difference. One is very, it's like, wow, what, something about you that's really cool. But nobody wants to be around somebody who's screaming at them, telling them they're going to go to hell. I mean, it may be true, but the delivery is important, don't you think? <laughs> the delivery is very important. <laughs> so, I remember back in 2001. Uh, I was at a shepherd's school, and this kind of hits home with me, this whole topic that we're talking about, because in my own life, I just want to share something with you. Uh, back in 2001, I'd been on staff here at the church since, uh, I've been here since 1995, but I came on staff in 2000 and, um, 2003. But two years prior to that, in 2001, uh, Pastor Jeff uh, sent me to the shepherd's school there in, um, down in Pennsylvania. And I was in a room in the basement with a bunch of snoring men. And one night that we were there, um, I actually heard a voice. And this is, I, don't, I haven't really shared this with too many people, well, with a few people. But the Lord actually spoke to me very clearly. And I was sleeping, and I was on a cot. I know exactly where I was. And it startled me because I felt like somebody was right next to my head speaking, and it was, it was loud enough to get my attention in it immediately. And all he said to me is, I have given you a pastorate. That was it. I have given you a pastorate. And it was so loud and clear that I actually jumped up out of bed, startled because I felt like somebody was right here. Or I forget, it was actually this ear on this side. And it freaked me out. Because I looked around, and every, it's a dark room, and everyone's sleeping, and there's nobody around. And so I just kind of tucked that away in my heart, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that, Lord? <laughs> you know, you've allowed me to be a, you know, leading worship here. I've, I've loved doing that. I love doing that. I love leading. That's one of my favorite things to do. And I love doing it. But what does this mean? I don't know what this means. And how do, you, how do I, I can't, what am I going to go to tell Pastor Jeff, I, you know, your time's up, buddy. I mean, am I going to go and say that? He'd be like, uh, your time's up, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so I just stuffed it in my heart, and I'm like, God, if, you, if that was really you, you're going to have to work it out because I can't work that out. 
I don't know how to do that. I'm very blessed, and I'm, I love what I do here at the church already. You're going to have to make it happen, and I don't know how it's going to happen. So I'm just going to leave it in your hands. And lo and behold, you know, here I am. And it happened, but it was 17 years later. 17 years later, the Lord brings us all to pass. And I had no clue how to get there, where to go. I wanted to keep my mouth shut. I was kind of sheepish about it because nobody, nobody makes that claim unless God has really called you to do it. And I know he did. And so I just had to wait for that promise to come to pass. I had no idea how to do it because I knew it would seem preposterous and very, um, um, it, it wouldn't seem right to try and make something. I mean, who would do that? So you just, you just wait. You just wait. And the Lord, he did it. At a time when I didn't think, kind of blindsided me. But when the time came, all the pieces came together very quickly, and I'm, I'm still confounded by the whole process. But was it because I was so astute in my studies, and was it because I prayed you know, for hours on, you know, and, you know, and walked across glass on my knees to go kiss the statue? No, I didn't do any of that. I especially didn't kiss the glass or kiss the statue and walk across on glass. I didn't do any of those things. God was faithful. He was faithful. I was a blubbering idiot. But that's not for me to worry about. That's what he is all about. And when he speaks something to you, be patient. Has he spoken something to your heart and he hasn't fulfilled it yet? Just trust him. Wait on him. And if he hasn't, that's okay. He's got a plan for your life. All of us have a He's got a plan for his life. But David was not grasping for power and authority. He was simply walking, again, in the promises of God, and he was patient. Why don't we stop there? Because if I go any longer, you're going to be here quite a bit longer. And this is a good breaking point. So why don't we do this? I don't know about you, but this is really exciting to me because David had already heard the promise. He was waiting. He wasn't chomping at the bit. He wasn't trying to force. I mean, he could, have for, he could have caused the whole thing to go much quicker if he would have just killed Saul when he had the opportunity in the cave. He could have done it. He could have, he could have had the other guys do it. They were asking. They are like, please let us do it. Let's get this guy out of your hair. And out of our hair, too. We're running just as much as you are. And David's like, no, that's not God's way. I am not going to usurp anyone's authority. If God wants to take Saul out, he's going to do it in his way, in his time. And David waited patiently. He was not usurping. He wasn't chomping at the bit. He was just waiting patiently, in faith, knowing that God had spoken to him. And he had the faith. God even gave him the faith to believe that if you said it, God, then it's going to come to pass. I don't know how or when or how it's going to happen. I know this feeling. I know it personally. And maybe you do too, and I hope you do. And I hope God brings that to you. And you can have that, that assurance of, of just being in that place of waiting for his promise to come to pass. And when it does, it's going to be the sweetest thing you've ever experienced. It really is. There is no gift on the earth that is sweeter When God says he's going to do something and then you wait 
You just wait. And then he does it. And you're like, how's that possible? How can he do that? That means you are who you say you are, God. You're the God who sees all things. You're you're all-powerful. You see the end from the beginning. Read Psalm 139. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing just to think of God's omniscience. He knows all things. He's got everything planned out. He knows the day you're born. He knows the day you're going to pass. He knows the day. He knows everything in between. And yet we can love him and trust him and be loved by him. Will you be loved by God in spite of all your failures and your sin, as we all have? Can we love him and let him love us? And trust him when he says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that promise? Because there's so many who, we all make mistakes, we all sin, whether in, 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 you know, on purpose or by accident. But when we confess it, he, it's like it never happened. Can we walk in that reality? Can we walk in that promise and hold to that truth? Like nothing ever happened. Because so often I, I make a mistake and I, I ask God to forgive me. And maybe you can relate to this. I'll ask him to forgive me for some stupid thing that I've done. And he forgives me and I know that. But I feel like i got to go through a couple of days of just kind of whining and complaining and putting my head down and like Eeyore, you know. God doesn't love me. You probably don't love me either. You know, and you walk around with your head hanging low, and you're just, you got your own personal flagellum in your, in your purse. You know, you pull it out, the cat of nine tails, and you, just, you whack yourself with it a couple times. Oh, I deserve that. Oh, oh, my car broke down today. I deserve that too. My cat bit me, and my iPhone, I dropped it in the toilet, and I flushed it before I could get my hand on it. I deserve it because of what I did. Lord, you're so righteous in your judgment. And God's going, what are you talking about? You're just having a bad day. Didn't I forgive you? Why are you walking around like that? Do, you dishonor him by going about like that. You honor him by taking him at his word and saying, Lord, I really messed up. And he goes, yeah, I know you did. And you've confessed it, and it's under the blood of my son. And is his blood efficacious? There's a nice word for you. Is his blood able to forgive you and to cleanse you? I sometimes act like it's not. But the truth of the matter is, it is. And when we grasp that and when we believe it and walk in it, oh my goodness, how things change. You can make the big, one of the biggest mistakes and then confess it and truly in brokenness and then get up from there like David did. Remember when Bathsheba, when the son died? And, and he was there fasting at the, at the altar, in a sense, there in the house of God. And when the son died, he got up, and he's like, it's done. And he started to eat, and they're like, what's the matter with you? Aren't you going to whip yourself? <laughs> Aren't you going to get out your personal flagellum? He's like, no. God is sovereign, and he's forgiven me.
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.